The previous Mishnah mentioned the mitzvah of Pru'urvu, the mitzvah of having children, whether an islandess who is a woman who is not able to have children, whether she is considered to be a zaina, a woman who is not allowed to marry a koyain. And this Mishnah will go into the details of this mitzvah of Pru'urvu. A man may not um, withhold himself and not fulfill the mitzvah of having children, unless he already has children. Now, how many children does one need to have in order to fulfill the mitzvah? One must have at least two sons. And Bishamai learned this from the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu, after having his two sons, Gershman and Eliezer, he then separated from his wife and divorced her. That led to the story where Miriam and Aaron spoke Russian horror about Moshe. But be it as it may, we see that he only separated from his wife after he had already had two sons. So we see that that is the minimum number of children which one needs to have to fulfill the mitzvah, two sons specifically. However, Vesil and Vesil say, no, Zohar in a keva. One must have a son and a daughter, at least. Shneem, as the Pasuk says, when talking about when Hashem created Odom and Chava, it says, Zohar in a keva bara'am. Hashem created them as a male and as a female. So when one has children, fulfills the mitzvah of being fruitful and filling up the world, he needs to reproduce what was originally created, that being a male and a female. Continues the Mishnah with more details to do with this mitzvah. Nasal Isha, what happens if somebody married a woman? Vishah imo eser shonim. And he waited with her, he lived with her for 10 years. Vilayolda, and she still hadn't given birth. Says the Mishnah, and you actually botel, he is not allowed to withhold himself from the mitzvah. Meaning, he is obligated to marry another woman to try and have children with her. If it's nowadays where it's forbidden to be married to more than one woman, so then she would need to divorce this woman in order to marry somebody else. Or in the times of the Mishnah when it was a, when it was permitted to marry more than one wife, so you would have to marry another woman. The reason for 10 years is learnt from Avram Avinu, who after being married to Sarah for 10 years, then married Hagar. So that's the source for this amount of 10 years. The truth is, he was actually married to Sarah for a lot longer than 10 years. But it was 10 years from when they lived in Eretz Yisrael. So that is actually also included in this law, that if a man and woman who are married do not have children, and then they move up to Eretz Yisrael, their 10 years begins from when they move to Eretz Yisrael. Continues the Mishnah, Gersha, if the man divorces his wife after not being able to have children with her for 10 years, she is permitted to be married to somebody else, even if that other person does not yet have any children. He is allowed to marry this woman, and he also has permission to be married to her for 10 years, because just because she didn't have any children from the first husband does not mean that she herself cannot have children. It could have been because of the husband that they didn't have children, and therefore this other man is allowed to marry her, and he does not need to be concerned that this woman is incapable of giving birth. As well as that, if a woman miscarries within the 10 years, then the count begins again. She counts 10 years, or he counts 10 years, from the time that she miscarried, and if after those 10 years she hasn't yet given birth, then he will need to seek another way of having children by marrying another woman. Alright, and ends off the Perek. Who exactly is commanded in this mitzvah? The man is commanded with this mitzvah of having children. But the woman has no obligation. Technically, if a woman did not want to get married, so this mitzvah would not require her to do so. And this is learned from the fact that Hashem told Odom and Chava, Pruravu, you should have children. And they will fill up the land. And they will conquer it. 
Now the word v'chiv shuha in the Torah is written without a vav before the hey. So it's written as if it says uchvosha, which would mean and conquer it, meaning you should conquer it. And it is in the singular. So it's as if Hashem told them, Odom and Chava, you should have children. And then he said in the singular to one of them, and you should conquer the land. Now out of man and woman, it is more the way of a man to conquer and to fight. So if it says it in the singular, it implies that really Hashem was talking to Odom, to Odom and not to both of them. And we learn from there that the earlier part of the Pasuk, the actual mitzvah of Pruravu, is also incumbent only upon the man. However, Rabbi Yechman Bereka says, Al about both man and woman. The Pasuk says, And Hashem blessed them, Adam and Kim. And Hashem said to them, Pruravu, you should have children. That is, of course, the first part of the Pasuk we just brought. The first part of the Pasuk is certainly in the plural. Pruravu itself is in the plural. So says it's all very nice that towards the end of the Pasuk, you have a hint which implies that the mitzvah is upon only one of them, but the simple reading of the Pasuk certainly indicates that both the man and the woman are obligated in this mitzvah of pru or avu. The first couple of Mishnahis in this Perek continue the theme which was discussed for much of the previous Perek, and that is the ability of the wife of a Koyain and also other people to eat Truma. Truma can only be eaten by a Koyain. However, a Koyain's daughter and a Koyain's wife is also allowed to eat Truma. On the other hand, if it is a forbidden marriage, for example, if the Kohen marries a divorcee, or if the Kohen Gobel marries a widow, it's forbidden for them to do so, and therefore, not only would she not be able to eat Truma as a result of that marriage, but it would actually turn her into a Zoina, who is forbidden to eat Truma forever. Even if she was the daughter of a Kohen, if she goes and marries a... if she's a divorcee, and she goes to marry a Kohen, even if her husband then dies or divorces her, she'll remain invalid to eat truma. Now we learnt once already in this Misechta that when a man marries a woman and she brings property into the marriage, there are two different categories of property. The first is known as Mirsemaloig, and Mirsemaloig are fundamentally hers. However, the Torah says that the husband has the rights to all of the fruit and all of the benefit which that property brings, as long as he is married to her. He has the responsibility to provide for that property, to make sure that it doesn't just die. But he is allowed to rent it out, for example. If it's a field, he can take the fruit and eat them. But since it's hers, she takes the actual property back upon being divorced or widowed from this husband. So even if the property went up or down in value, that doesn't make a difference, she takes the actual property. On the other hand, Nichseitzoin Barzel is property which is fundamentally considered to be the husband's. If it was there from the beginning of the marriage, then it is generally written inside of the Kasuba. And its value is written inside of the Kasuba, which means that since she is really bringing this into the marriage for him, and it's his property, if he divorces her or dies before she dies, then she receives the exact value that it was worth when she brought it into the marriage. So in general, she would just take that property back itself, and then if it's gone down in value, say he would add money, or if it's gone up in value, then she might need to give back some money. But since it's fundamentally his, she would just get the value which it was worth at the time that she brought it into the marriage. Says the Mishnah, If a widow marries a Kohen Godol, or if a divorcee or a woman who has received Chalitza marries a regular Kohen, 
And she brought into the marriage for him servants, and some of the servants she brought into the marriage she decided would be which are fundamentally hers, and some of them she defined to be that she gave over the full ownership to the husband, and he would just need to give her the value if he dies or divorces her. Says the Mishnah, she certainly can't eat truma, and therefore the servants who are considered can also not eat truma, since the person who owns those slaves cannot eat truma herself. However, the servants who are considered they can eat truma because they are considered to be the husbands, the koyens. It should be noted that we are talking specifically about an Evid Kanani, a non-Jewish slave who is considered to be the possession of his master. And therefore, if his master is a koyen, he can eat truma. And now the Mishnah defines what exactly is considered to be avdimaloig. The Elohim avdimaloig, these are the laws which are characteristic of servants who are nichsimaloig in Mesu. If the servants die, then Mesu la, they die for her. Meaning the loss is hers, the husband does not need to compensate her, because that was always the arrangement of Nisimalog, that only the property itself is hers. She doesn't take the value, she takes exactly what she brought into the marriage. Then Hisiru, and if they increased in value, Hisiru la. So they increase for her benefit. If they are worth more when she gets divorced or the husband dies, so she takes the, all of the slaves, and she doesn't need to give any money back to the husband. Even though the husband is obligated to provide for their food and to sustain them, they're not allowed to eat truma since she's not allowed to eat truma. Now, in a regular case where a coin marries a woman who he is allowed to marry, even the slaves who are niximaloig, as we're going to see in the next Mishnah, can eat truma. It's learned from Psukim that even something which is not owned directly by the Koyen, but it's owned by somebody else who is in the domain of the Koyen, namely his wife, so that is enough to allow them to eat truma. Continues the Mishnah, What are the laws which define slaves which are nixitzom barzel? In Mesu, if they die, Mesu lay. They die to his loss. Then Hisiru, if they increase in value, Hisiru lay. They increase in value for his benefit, because he needs to give back the value that it was worth at the time of the marriage. So even if the servants die, he'll still need to give that money back. Now, if they increase in value, he will get to keep the increase in value. And says the Mishnah, Since he has full responsibility over them and any loss which comes as a result, they can eat truma because we see from the laws that they are considered to be his totally. Mishnah base, Basisraj Nisus Lakoyain, a regular Jewish woman who does not come from a family of Koyanim. So until now she couldn't eat Truma, she marries a Koyain. Vichnis Layavodim and she brings into the marriage slaves. Bain Avdimaloig, Bain Avditim Barzel. Whether the slaves be considered Nichsimaloig or Nichsitim Barzel, Har El Yurba Truma, they can eat Truma because she herself can eat Truma. And as we explained in the previous Mishnah, it is learned from a Posuk that also that which she owns may eat Truma as long as she herself is able to eat truma. On the other hand, of us Koyen Shinesis Israel, the daughter of a Koyen who up until now could eat truma, upon marrying a Yisrael who is not a Koyen who cannot eat truma, she has the same status as him, and by extension her slaves have the same status as her. 
She brought into the marriage both slaves which are Nixamalaig and slaves which are Nixitan Barzel. They cannot eat Truma just like she cannot eat Truma. There are Psukim which explicitly say that when the daughter of a Kayan marries a non Kayan, she may no longer eat Truma. Mishnah Gimel, we're going to see in this Mishnah and over the coming Mishnahis that whether a woman can eat trim or not is dependent upon her husband. If her husband's a koyain, as long as it's a permitted marriage, of course, then she can eat trim. If her husband is not a koyain, then she cannot eat trim. Now, what happens when her husband dies or divorces her? So now it depends on whether she has any children or any descendants, even if it's only a grandchild. Let's say she had a child who then died, but she still has a grandchild. That would be enough. If she does still have a surviving descendant from that husband, then she continues to follow that status. So, for example, a non a, a daughter of a non-Koyain. So until she married, she was not able to eat Truma. She then married a Koyain, had a child, and then her husband died. So since she has a child from that Koyain, she has still got that status of the wife of a Koyain, and therefore she can eat Truma. And the same goes the other way around, if it is the daughter of a Koyain, who marries the Israel, has a child from him, and then he dies, since she has a descendant who is not a Koyain, from that husband who is not a Koyain, so she is not allowed to continue eating Truma. Now what happens if you've got Bas Yisrael, and this is like Koyain, you've got the daughter of Yisrael, who married a Koyain. So as long as they were married, she could eat Truma, Vamais, and then he died. And we're discussing a case where they had children, and therefore, even once he dies, she can continue eating Truma. And as well as the children which they already had, he left her here pregnant. Says the Mishnah, although she is allowed to eat Truma, her slaves cannot eat Truma, because of the portion of the fetus. Now, before we explain that, firstly, there is a distinction between Niximaloig and Nixitzon Barzel. Since she is allowed to eat Truma, the slaves which are Niximaloig can also eat Truma because they are considered to be hers. We are talking about slaves which are Nixay Tsoin Barzel, and according to the first opinion which we are going to see as Rabbi Yossi, the fetus prevents them from being able to eat Truma. The reason being that according to Rabbi Yossi, a fetus, although he hasn't been born yet, is considered an inheritor of the father and non-Jewish slaves are passed down in the inheritance, which means that the fetus has a share in all of the slaves. And according to Rabiasi, since the fetus is currently in the womb of his mother, and his mother is not a Koyain herself, she is a Bas Yisrael, because of that, the fetus is not considered to be a Koyain until he is born. Once he's born, so we go according to the father. Since the father was a Koyain, he'll also be a Koyain. But until he is born and he is currently in the, in the womb of his mother, he has the mother's status of a Bas Yisrael, which means that a Zor, a Zor is a non-Koyain, who is forbidden to eat Truma, the fetus is the partial owner of the slaves. This is the slaves which the father owned, the Nixetzon Barzel, and they are passed down to the children and to the fetus. So the fetus has a partial ownership of these slaves, which means that they are owned partially by a czar. So just like a czar is not allowed to eat truma, so too the slaves are not allowed to eat truma. And the Mishnah elaborates, Sheha Ubar Poisel, because a fetus invalidates the Enomachil and doesn't feed. This is a different halacha, which we'll see in the next Mishnah and the Kang Mishnayis, and this is referring to the wife of the Koyain, or of the Israel. If a Bas Koyain marries a Israel and they don't have any other children, and he dies and she is left pregnant, 
Because of the fetus, she is not able to go back and eat truma. It's learned from Sukkim that only if she is currently in the same state as she was before she got married is she allowed to go back to eat truma. But right now she's pregnant. And therefore, as long as she is pregnant, she is not allowed to eat truma, even before she has the child. So that's what it means that the ubar, the fetus, is poisel. He invalidates his mother from being able to go back to eat truma. The eno ma'achil, that refers to a case where Bas Yisrael marries a koyen, like an our Mishnah. So if he dies and she is left pregnant without any other children, so until now, as long as the husband was alive, she could eat truma. However, now that he dies and she doesn't have any surviving children, she is not allowed to eat truma. This is learned from the Posuk, which talks about one who is born in his house, in the house of a Kohen, he can eat truma. So we see that the Torah is particular about him being born already. If he hasn't yet been born, then he does not allow his mother to continue eating truma. And Rabbi Yossi is saying, because that is the case, regularly, what do we see? We see that the fetus, even before he is born, is considered somebody who inherits his father. So we should say the same thing over here. And therefore, the slaves should not be able to eat truma. However, Omuloi the Chachom said to him, After you have testified to us, and you have said that this is the law regarding a Basisrael who marries a Koyain, According to a reasoning, the same should apply to a Baskoyen who married a Koyen. So her entire life she ate truma. Vomais, if the husband then dies, and leaves her to be pregnant, and there are other children as well, even in that case, her slaves, which are Nechsitzoin Barzel, should not be able to eat truma because of the portion of inheritance which the fetus has. And the Chachom's reasoning is like we just explained, that we see that only a Kohen who's been born already allows his mother to eat truma. So the Chachom is saying the same should be for the slaves. However, what they didn't realize is that Rabbi Yossi's reasoning is that the fetus inside of Abbas Yisrael follows her status and is therefore considered to be a czar, a non-Koyen. But in a case where she is a Baskoyen, so certainly the fetus is considered a Koyen and therefore, in that case, the servants would be able to eat truma. So it comes out of this idea that a fetus stops the mother from eating truma. That only applies when there are no other children who have already been born. But in our case, there are other children. And therefore, the only reason why the slaves would not be able to eat truma, says Rabiosi, is if the fetus is considered to be a czar. And when is the fetus considered to be a czar? If the mother does not come from a family of Koranim.